So Luke's mission is that you believe with certainty the promise of God. That you believe with certainty. That's his mission. Matthew, so Luke is the third gospel. We have Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. Matthew begins his gospel with the family record of Jesus. Traces Jesus all the way back to King David and then to Abraham. Mark begins his gospel with um, John the Baptist preaching a pretty bold message. Repent and be baptized. And then Jesus comes and John baptizes Jesus. And that begins his ministry. And so um, we, we have Jesus at about 30 years old in Mark's gospel. John actually begins his gospel with this kind of cosmic worldview. John chapter 1 verse 1 says, In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. And all things were made that are made by Him and through Him and for Him. John begins with this like, Jesus is the one who created it all kind of position. But Luke takes a unique beginning. So Luke, who says to us, I'm writing this to you so that you would have certainty about what you believe. He begins with the story of two miraculous pregnancies. And it's amazing to me that Luke begins writing a story about certainty with a priest who's full of doubt. And a young virgin girl who's full of faith. The beautiful comparisons and contrast in this gospel from, from the very beginning let you know that this author aims at the truth. He's not writing a story that, that would be uh, you know, one for the libraries. He's writing truth as it happened. He's telling us of a doubtful priest and a faithful virgin girl who's who would be unknown were it not for um, this story. Elizabeth is the faithful wife of Zechariah. They have served the Lord, as the Scriptures tell us, faithfully and blamelessly. And yet, she's not had a child. In this culture... um, the, the, the key role of a woman and, and the, the pride of a woman was that she would have children, not just children, but sons for her husbands, for their family line to be carried on. And so Elizabeth feels the weight of her inability to provide in this way for her husband. The angel Gabriel comes to Zechariah while he's in the middle of his ministry. Now, just uh, some information here. The fact that Zechariah is in the temple burning incense. This is a once in a lifetime opportunity for a priest. Uh, You know, there were many priests and there was only one that fulfilled this role once a year. And so a priest could go his whole life, live and die and never do this particular task. But for this honor, the scriptures tell us actually in verse nine that he was chosen by lot which is basically where almost they would roll a dice and, oh, it's your turn, uh, Zechariah. And And he has the honor of going into the presence of God and burning incense. This is a moment where the people are gathered and praying and pleading with God. And Zechariah is in there literally in the very presence of God, praying on behalf of the people. And boom, an angel appears. 
And the angel makes incredible promises to Zechariah. The angel actually says, your prayers have been heard. You're going to have a son. So how does Zechariah respond? He says, how can I know? How can I know for sure? Give me some proof. And there's part of me that wants to laugh because there's an angel right (laughs) right in front of him. There's an angel making this promise. But the other part of me understands where Zechariah is coming from. Like, can you imagine where he's at? He has been through a long life of, you know, possible miscarriages or this or that. And for him to come out and go, honey, guess what? The Lord says we're going to have a baby. I can understand why he would say, I need to know for sure before I do that to my wife. So Zechariah asks these questions and he says, how can I know this? How can I know for sure. How can I be sure? This, this kind of gets back to the point that Luke is writing. He's writing for certainty, right? And Zechariah is not certain. He's doubtful. And the angel disciplines, actually punishes him by making him mute, silences the priest. Can you imagine? A priest is silenced. The Lord struck him because of his unbelief. He came out of the temple. He could only make hand motions for the people. He couldn't even speak about what he had seen and heard. But Elizabeth does, in fact, get pregnant. And it's a miracle. And she stays hidden for five months. I guess that's about the 20-week mark. That also makes sense. You've got a woman who, who senses and really feels how fragile this little baby is. And so she's... Wanting to kind of be reclusive just in case, right? Just in case. So we have the promise of God to Zechariah fulfilled in Elizabeth's womb. And then we have this same angel coming to Nazareth. God sending Gabriel to Nazareth to this little virgin girl. Many believe 13, 14 years old and and the angel comes to her and says, Mary, you've found favor with God. You're, you're going to have a baby. And she responds kind of like Zechariah did, but very different. She also asks how, but not how can I know, but how's this going to happen? So her question is not doubtful. It's actually built on faith. She does believe it's going to happen. She just wants to know how. She's like, how is this going to happen? Because I mean, I know how babies are made and I've not done that. I'm a virgin. So how's this going to happen? The angel answers those questions for her by saying, the Holy Spirit is going to put this child in your womb. And she responds faithfully by saying, let it be to me according to your word. We have this incredible thing that the angel says. If you don't have it underlined in your Bible, I encourage you to underline verse 37. He says about Elizabeth's pregnancy and about Mary's pregnancy, he says, nothing will be impossible for God. Isn't that an incredible truth? Nothing will be impossible for God. 
We have this moment now where Mary goes to visit Elizabeth and Elizabeth six months pregnant. Mary goes to visit. Elizabeth celebrates. They have this beautiful moment together. And then Mary sings a song about God being faithful to his promises. It's an incredible chapter that tells us all about the promise of God and how we can bank on it. So I want to give you three things to take home. I want to give you a little homework first. Read the rest of the chapter. All right. Forty more verses or so you need to read to just let the truth sink into your heart. It's beautiful what God does as we begin the story of how Jesus came. But here are three things I want you to take home. Three truths. Here's the first one. You ready? Don't look for proof when God gives promise. Don't look for proof when God gives his promise. You know, Zechariah and Mary both are questioning Gabriel, Gabriel's message. Zechariah was punished for his doubt in verse 20. You see that? Mary is praised for her belief in verse 45. Elizabeth actually says, Blessed are you who believed when the Lord spoke to you. So Mary is praised for her faith. Zechariah punished for his doubt. Your doubt doesn't change God's plan. But it may impact your role in it. If you doubt the voice of God... He may very well stop you from speaking so you don't spread that cancer of doubt. You know, Zechariah was given a vision. He had a word from God, but he didn't believe it. And because he didn't believe it, the Lord shut his mouth. And so the very man who's supposed to talk about what God is saying is not allowed to speak on God's behalf. But God is still faithful to his promise. Zechariah's doubt didn't change God's plan. It just changed his role in it. He was not allowed the privilege of being the voice of a God who's going to provide in a miraculous way. He was taken out of the picture. I saw a bumper sticker years ago. I just want to tell you about it. Just, I was thought about that as I read through this, um, this story. There's a bumper sticker that said, uh, God said it. I believe it. That settles it. Sounds catchy, right? God said it. I believe it. That settles it. Here's the thing. Zechariah didn't believe it. But it was still settled. So here's the reality. God said it. That settles it. Whether you believe it or not, if God said it, it's settled. Now, you can believe and be welcomed in to God's doing and his what he's working and what he's doing. But if you don't believe, it's still settled. When God speaks it, it's as good as done. You can bank on the Lord, his promises. He is faithful to his word. When God says it, you can count on it. Don't look and don't keep looking for proof when God's given you promise. I feel like we do that a lot in our lives. We're constantly saying, God, I'm not, I'm not sure I trust you on this. I mean, can you just prove it? Can you just show me? Can you just, can you just prove it? And God wants to say, I, I just want you to believe. 
Just trust me. Take me at my word. It's ironic that Luke writes to give us proof. And the very first message we take away is that God says, don't be looking for proof. Trust my promise. Second thing. Don't give your circumstances more weight than the certainty of God's promises. Don't give your circumstances more weight than the certainty of God's promises. We've got two women here. Let's, let's kind of compare their situations. You've got a woman who all her life now, she's been barren. She's been unable to have children. She's on up in years. Zechariah said she's advanced in years. I don't know if that's appropriate or what to say about your wife. He says she's advanced in years. Uh, but the, uh, the angel Gabriel tells Mary... That she's actually called barren. And Elizabeth, when the Lord fulfills the promise, she says, the Lord has removed my reproach from among the people. So I, I want us to get a sense of the weight that she feels. She feels like she's insufficient. She's inadequate. She could never add up. She's not good enough. All of those things about who she is, her circumstances have put a lot of weight on her as a person. Her circumstances. She, she's let that. She, you can almost imagine she wears that barren as a scarlet letter on who she is. There's that woman. She's barren. Maybe you could imagine all her friends as she's a newlywed. Her friends are like, all right, Elizabeth, you're going to have a baby. We're praying. God's going to give you a baby. It's going to be awesome. And they pray and pray and months go by and years go by. Maybe a few of those friends are gathered around. Elizabeth, we're, we're praying still. We're trusting the Lord. It's going to give you a baby. It's going to happen. We're, we're praying. It's going to happen. Years go by. Fewer and fewer are standing with her. And many are standing away wondering, is the Lord actually going to do it? Years go by and maybe those who are now distant are actually looking and going, what did she do? What did she do wrong? You remember the friends that came to Job in his suffering and they said, Job, you, you obviously have messed up. Look at your circumstances. You have obviously screwed things up. Or God would not be doing this to you. Maybe she actually owns the weight of this circumstance in a way that God doesn't want her to own it. See, one thing we can take from Elizabeth's story is that your struggle is not always a sign of punishment or sin. Or, it's not always the case. Your struggle, your circumstances may be what God has intended to show off. You see, it was on the backdrop of her pain that God is going to show his power because she is now old and well beyond the years of having a baby. And now this woman who has been the shame and reproach of her culture is the shining glory of a powerful God. Her circumstances could have outweighed God's power, but they, they don't. Then we have another woman on the opposite end of the spectrum. You know, she's a teenage girl, probably 13, 14 years old. She's engaged to be married, but she's not married. Her pregnancy is equally as scandalous. Maybe more so. Because it means that she has either sinned 
and kind of got the cart ahead of the horse here with Joseph. Or there's another man in the picture. Joseph believes the latter. You know, he, the Bible tells us in another gospel that he actually thought to himself, well, I, I guess I need to divorce her because she's obviously been with another man. Well, the angel Gabriel came to Joseph as well. She's not been with another man. She's just been with God. Mary's story, her circumstances is what many today would call an unwanted pregnancy. One thing I want to say here is that God is the author of life. God is the author of life. And no matter your circumstance, a baby is not your punishment. A baby is a beautiful provision of life. And God is the author of life. And while it may be an unwanted or unexpected pregnancy, it's not an unwanted baby. And God is not surprised by any baby. Mary's circumstances were certainly scandalous, but she knew they were miraculous. Here's the thing. Your circumstances could cause you anxiety, right? Anxiety. Man, I feel like people struggle. We struggle with anxiety. We worry about all kinds of things. And the Bible talks about this a lot. Jesus talks to us about our anxiety and our worries all the time. He says, do not be anxious about anything, but in everything, present your request to God. Jesus says in Matthew 6, don't worry about your clothes or what you should eat, what you're going to wear. Don't you know that God clothes the lilies of the field and the sparrows of the He's He's got it all in mind. Don't worry. Seek first the kingdom. Don't worry about all those things. But our circumstances seem to press in anxiety on us. And if we let our circumstances carry too much weight, that's exactly what will happen. The certainty of God brings about rest. God's promises are certain. So I want to ask you, what what makes a promise of God certain? This is uh, something we talked about a couple of weeks ago. I just want to reiterate this truth. Um, the promise of God, what makes it certain? What makes it certain is His character and His power. So let me illustrate. If I promised you today that I was going to give you a million dollars, I could be well-intentioned, right? I really could want to give you a million dollars, but I hate to tell you, I don't have it. I don't have it to give. So I not only don't have the resources, I don't have the ability to actually do that. I can make the promise, but I'm not going to be able to fulfill it. The thing about God is that He makes promises that He is more than able to fulfill. And the other thing about His character is that He's actually good. He doesn't make promises and then go back on them. Even though He could fulfill it, He says, know what? Forget that. His character is that He's good. The Bible says that even when we are faithless, he is faithful because he cannot deny himself. It's his own character. So the good promises of God, we can be certain in these promises. I want you to see uh, a verse in Scripture. Grab your Bibles. I want you to see something. Uh, If you have a pen, I want you to underline if you write in, in your copy of God's Word or highlight or whatever. 2 Corinthians 
chapter 1, Paul's writing, and he says something about the promises of God that I hope is an encouragement to you. 2 Corinthians chapter 1, in verse 20, Paul writes to the church in Corinth, and he says this, For all the promises of God find their yes in Jesus. Check that out. All the promises of God find their yes in Him. That's why it's through Him that we can utter our amen to God for His glory. Here's the thing. Jesus, or God, has made promises to us. And the proof that He is faithful is Jesus. So we just sang a minute ago about Him as our living hope. And the reality that we have a promise keeper is that God raised Jesus from the dead. Does that make sense? He is our yes to all of God's promises. Jesus is the proof that you're looking for. So as Luke is writing to tell us of the certainty of the promise, the certainty of the gospel, he's going to point to Jesus. Because Jesus is the yes and amen to every promise God has ever made. You can trust God. Thirdly, believe the good news of salvation in Jesus Christ. This whole gospel in Luke is all about salvation. That's what the word gospel means. It means good news. Luke is writing to tell you the good news, that you can be saved, that there is salvation in Jesus Christ. This is the story of the Savior of the world coming into the world. So he's writing to us good news of salvation. In the opening chapter of Luke's gospel, we see that he desires to help us believe in Jesus as the Christ with certainty. Ironically, follow with me, you with me? Ironically, he opens with a priest who sees an angel but doubts his message. And a teenager who also sees the angel and believes. An elderly woman and a virgin girl who miraculously conceive and both have sons. The doubting priest who was made mute is now, uh, his mouth is opened and he prophesies of his son being the forerunner of her son, the virgin girl's son, who is the savior. This is a crazy story, right? It's a crazy story. Admittedly, this is a strange way to begin presenting a story about facts and proof and certainty. He's calling us to believe in miraculous births, the miraculously silencing of a priest, miraculously opening his mouth in a a moment of faith. This is unbelievable. An elderly woman conceiving, a virgin conceiving. This is unbelievable. Unless it's true. And it is. It is the calculated record of a Gentile doctor who has given his life now to traveling the world with the Apostle Paul to make this story known. 
He's telling this good news with his life and to him it's appropriate to write it. So for the doubter today, here's what I hope for you. I hope and I want to call you to believe. If you're like Zechariah and you're doubting the promise of God, I want to call you to believe. Stop looking for proof. Start trusting that God is the promise maker who keeps his promises. Be fully given over to these things to be true and to be the standard of truth. Allow the Spirit of God to open your eyes so that you may discern the truth and believe it. If you're a believer in the room, if you're a Christian, I want to say something to you. I want to call you to live like you believe. Live like you believe this. If this is all true, and it is, then give yourself to the spreading of this message. You know, there's a verse at the end of this chapter that, y'all, I just I wept over it this week. I've decided if I ever get a tattoo, this is going to be it. <laughs> all right, you ready? If, if I have a tattoo, this is going to be the verse. Verse 77. Take a look at it. Out of Zechariah's mouth, he's prophesying about his son John, who's going to be John the Baptist, who's the forerunner of Jesus. And here's what he says. In verse 76, he says, And you, my child, will be called the prophet of the Most High, for you will go before the Lord to prepare His ways. And here's, here's the verse. To give knowledge of salvation to His people in the forgiveness of their sins because of the tender mercy of our God. That's not just John the Baptist's role in this life. That's the role of every believer, every person who's ever put their faith in Christ. This is your mission. To make known salvation to His people in the forgiveness of their sins because of the tender mercy of our God. So I want to call you to live like you believe it. Three things, three ways that I hope to impact you through this message. You ready? Here's your next steps. One, get in God's Word. Don't let a day go by you don't read from this book. What good are promises if you never read them? What good are promises if you don't know them and treasure them in your heart? What good is a promise if you don't know it? Read this word and trust. Trust in God. Secondly, get in relationship. You heard Stephen say at the beginning that real discipleship only happens in real relationship. He's encouraging us to be a part of small groups. And I I echo that. We, We got this beautiful story of Mary and Elizabeth. Mary goes to visit Elizabeth and they just have this moment together. Sheer celebration of how God has fulfilled promises in them. And Elizabeth speaks prophetically over Mary. She says, blessed are you and blessed is the fruit of your womb. And what, what, what have I done to deserve this woman coming whose, whose child is going to be my Lord? How did she know that? The Spirit of God. There was this beautiful encouragement that happened. This thing that maybe Mary was kind of hiding like I'm. I'm a 13-year-old pregnant girl. I've never, I don't know what to do. And she runs off to be with her cousin. And her cousin encourages her in such a way that she turns around the very next verse as Mary singing a song of celebration. Because relationships matter. The way we interact with one another, how we push each other, how we love each other, how we encourage each other in the promises of God, it matters. 
get connected to one another. Thirdly, go and tell of His salvation. Go and tell. Like, go and tell. Proclaim His faithfulness. To give knowledge of salvation to His people in the forgiveness of their sins. It's made possible through Jesus Christ. This is His story. It's a miraculous story. Do you believe with certainty that it's true?